Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Living Well series, where Dr. Jones teaches about the spiritual disciplines that build spiritual maturity, which ultimately leads to Christ-like living. Now let's join them for today's message. Today we're talking about worship. We're talking about true worship and how this discipline of us engaging in intentional true worship grows us in godliness and God receives all the glory and honor. Now, it's interesting when you see this story, Jesus is traveling and he stops in this town named Sakar in Samaria. And while he's tired and resting by a well that Jacob himself dug and his family and livestock all drank from years before. This is a, a very historic place. His disciples have gone into town and they're getting food and he's by himself and this lady comes up and Jesus starts to engage in conversation. Now, you may think this is weird of why her response is, hold on, hold on, what are you doing talking to me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. What, I, don't, I don't understand what's going on. He says to her, give me a drink. I lo- I, don't you love how Jesus creates opportunity to teach spiritual things? He says, give me a drink. She says, what are you doing talking to me? Then he says, well, if you do the one that asked you, to give me a drink was. If you knew who I was, you would ask me to give you a drink, and I would give you water that you would never thirst again. There would be a, a wellspring springing up to eternal life. This would be some major words. This is, some, this is some, some heavy stuff he's talking about, but he's making a point of what true worship is. Some of us, we're thinking we're worshiping God properly when actually it's, it's, it's fool's goal. Because we haven't identified what it is. You think about what worship is. It comes from uh, an old word that was translated into English, worth-ship. So when we talk about worship, we're talking about intentionally ascribing worth to something or someone and responding to what that worth is. When Jesus gave the example and said, hey, you know, you, you're trying to get water, you're going to get thirsty again, but I got water that's you're never going to get thirsty again. It's going to spring up to eternal life. And that sounds good. She still wasn't getting it because she was like, I want that water because I don't want to have to come over here and get nothing else to drink. He's like, you ain't getting it. I'm talking about something much greater. He says, I'm talking about this water would give you life temporarily and you got to keep coming back to it. The water I'm speaking of is one in which you receive and it leads to eternal life. Jesus here is speaking about the spirit of God and it's pointing back to in the old covenant. He said the time would come when God would pour out his spirit and put his spirit into his people and cause them to walk in his ways. 
Jesus is saying that time is now. So when he says the Father is spirit and he's looking for true worshipers to worship him in spirit and truth, and it's not about the location, he's speaking about the time that we've been waiting on is here. And to where everywhere you go and everything you do can all be dedicated to the Lord, and that's the worship God is looking for. That is significant. This is significant. Because he's talking about this transformation within God's people. Now follow this. And it's not just about where, location, the time, meaning what day we do it, and the things that we're doing. Now I say that because there's a, there's a passage in, in Matthew 15, 8 and 9. He says, the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. He's saying, I got people coming and gathering. They pray. They, 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 they sing the song. They, they read the scripture. They, 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 they give each other holy hugs and kisses. But their hearts are far from me. They think it's just about the action. They think it's just about if I do step one, step two, step three, step four, they get a check mark in heaven. They fulfilled all they need to do for the week. They can go about life. They've compartmentalized what worship is. It's not just about the coming and doing these procedures. It's about living out the life that the Holy Spirit is living out of you. Let me break that down a little bit. A few weeks ago, we looked at how we're called to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. See that in the book of Philippians. It didn't say work for your salvation. It says work out, meaning we live out the saved life that God has given us in Christ Jesus. But then the following verse, he says, for is God working and willing to do in us according to his good pleasure? You know, I love those two verses. Because he's saying, for us, give everything we have to the Lord. Do everything that we do unto the glory of God. And you know what? You ain't got to lean on your own power. God is working and willing in you to do it. Trust in him. Lean on his strength, not your own. Live out the life that the Holy Spirit has empowered you to live. And it's not just the location. And you know what I love about this worship? He said this is true worship. To worship in spirit and truth is to worship through the born-again life that you've been given and receiving the Holy Spirit and to walk out the truth that God has given. Now, there's a little more to that, and I'm going I'm to I'm show you that in just a moment. But what I love about this, when Jesus is saying this, remember, who is he talking to? He's talking to a Samaritan woman. And it's interesting when she says, I'll... I, 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 our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you said we got to worship in Jerusalem. Let me give you a little bit of context to what's going on here from a historical standpoint. At this time, they're, they're in Sakkar. They're at this well that Jacob uh, had dug. Uh, the mountain region that she would be pointing to is Mount Gerizim. The Samaritans used to have a temple that was erected there where some of they would go and you know, be worshiping the Lord, but then they also would be participating in idolatry. During the intertestamental period, so from, say, from Malachi the prophet up until John the Baptist uh, um, said 
Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin in the world. During that intertestamental period, there was a battle between that actually occurred between the Jews and the Samaritans where the Jews won. And one thing they did, they went up on top of that mountain and tore down that temple. So we're talking about uh, a history of hostility. We're talking about uh, ethnic tensions, racial tensions, religious tensions. Jesus says true worship that God has ascribed overcomes those tensions. True worship is erasing those boundaries. True worship is getting rid of that wall of division. So that it's not about you all worshiping properly or us worshiping properly or you all as this ethnic group or this race or this religion, y'all worship properly. No, it's about I'm bringing all of that together in true worship, which is in spirit and truth. I mean, in true worship actually erases any kind of racial, ethnic, any kind of division that we may wall up in our minds and in our culture. That's why he says the Father is spirit, and he's looking for people to worship in his spirit and truth, not at this location. It's in and everywhere. But it's found in the one who gives it. You know, when Jesus makes this statement and says, if you knew who was asking you this, um, you would say, give me this water. I love this because there's something important we got to understand when it comes to the person of worship. You know, when you, when you think about uh, people, um, we, don't, we, we, don't, we don't really have a problem worshiping. Like, but the thing is, we, we don't really... We don't know how to worship, and sometimes we don't know who to worship. I, I've gone to concerts, and I've seen people um, on their feet for three hours, shouting, singing, screaming their favorite person's name over and over and over and over, crying, I mean, falling out. And when they hit the stage, falling out, shouting, hands raised. And I'm sitting here like, boy, this is, I said, I, I was sitting there and I'm, you know, preaching. I'm like, man, this is some worship. This is some worship. I mean, they, this, this, this is exactly, you, you go through all of the scripture because it's different kinds of way to worship. Sometimes God tell you, uh, uh, get on your knees. Sometimes just to fall on your face. Sometimes you see worship described as, as, as hands raised. Shout. And I'm like, it's all occurring. And then I was thinking about this artist, and I'm like, you know what? This artist ain't done nothing for them. Like, not, 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 they entertained them. So that's, that's, I guess that's, what they, that's, that's, what, that's the response. And it made me think about something. Sometimes, oh, this is going to prick a little bit. We've ascribed so much worship to people that entertain us. So when we come before God, if God ain't entertaining us, we're not responding. Because we're looking for Jesus to entertain. We miss who he is. You know, we want Jesus to do a song and dance. We want Jesus to wow us. You know, give us something. And you know, when, when it happens with us, we're not, look, we're not nothing new. 
Because every time Jesus would do something, when he, in his earthly ministry, Jesus would do something, and people would be running behind him, and they'd be following behind him. They're like, hey, Jesus, do one, of them, do one of them miracles again. I brought somebody with me. Do one. Do another. Do another. Do, do another one. I heard about it. Do one. Let me see. Let me see. It's a trip. We want Jesus to razzle-dazzle us instead of understanding who we is. I said the person, the person of worship is important because Jesus is letting them know. He says, look, what did he say? He says, this worship that occurs in spirit and truth comes from being receiving this Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about, this water that you receive. But then he says what? He, who, who gives that spirit? Him. So she recognized, she said, I know you're a prophet because you just read my life. You told me not only did you know I had five husbands, you even told me the dude I'm with right now ain't even my husband. She wowed. We was joking. We was like, was Jesus being petty or was he being real? I don't know. We, 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 sometimes there's a fine line between being petty and being 100. He, Jesus was being 100, all right? He was being 100 with her. But he, he was reading it. He was saying, like, look, I understand. And she's like, I know you're, you, you're a prophet. But he was like, no, I'm, I'm even bigger than that. And then she moves to something. She says, oh, I've been waiting on the Messiah. And when he says, hey, you know who you was talking to? It's me. It's me. I'm the one to give it. When we're talking about the person worship, you can't worship God in spirit and truth unless it's centered around Jesus. It is centered around Jesus. It's not you talking about I worship God. No, no. Oh, no. Let's be specific. Who is God? More from Dr. Jones in a moment. But first... During this month, with your donation, you can request your copy of Youth Matter, Kingdom Development, Kingdom Impact. This is a great resource where Dr. Jones teaches how youth should understand this time in their life's development, as well as impacting the world around them to the glory of God. Go to daryljones.org, that's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org, to give and request your copy today. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. So when we think about in the New Testament, how Jesus has revealed himself, how the apostles have revealed who Jesus is. We see even in John 1, it says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Verse 14 in chapter 1, he says, the word that was God became flesh and dwelt among us. Verse 18, it says that the, the, the monogenes, the, the unique, the one and only God has revealed the Father. Now, you want that significant? He says dwelt among us. Remember we talked about the, the temple in Jerusalem? Remember what existed before the temple? You had the tabernacle. That's where God would manifest his presence. What's interesting is the language the apostle John uses. This gets me excited. You know, I'm a nerd. I like words. He he says, he says that that word dwelt among us is a word. It's literally given a verb. It says he tabernacled among us and we beheld his glory. Oh, that's weighty. Because it's using the language of the Old Testament when God manifested his presence in the tabernacle. And remember, in the tabernacle and in the temple, God's glory was so weighty that they had to get up out of it. They couldn't even stand in there. And he says that Jesus, who was this word, became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory. So when Jesus is telling the woman in Samaria, and he says, the hour is coming is now is, oh, this, this, gets, this, some, this some theology right here. He says this, when he says the hour is coming, he's pointing towards his death, burial, and resurrection. 
He says, y'all been waiting on this. The, all throughout the old covenant, it was talked about the day that your heart's going to be circumcised. That God was making a new covenant among his people. That he was going to wash you clean of all your sins. That he was going to put his spirit in you. Y'all, that's, that's me and the hour is coming. I'm about to go pay this price for you. But then he says, but then now is, you're standing in the presence. You can worship God right now. That's why he told Philip, he says, show us the Father. And Jesus says, you haven't seen me? If you've seen the Father, I mean, if you've seen me, you, you've seen the Father. Jesus is making this point that if we're going to truly worship God, it is centered in Jesus Christ. Because he is the one that when we place faith, gives us this living water. He gives us this Holy Spirit that now we may respond to God in kind. We may respond to his worthiness properly and truly. And remember, he already told about the location. See, there is, there is the command or expectation that we do worship publicly. But worship is not just for public consumption. It's also private. Now, in public, when we talked earlier, about the church. We come together to worship corporately. We come together to worship publicly. We're commanded, don't forsake going to church. Go. Do it. There's a purpose to it. See, yes, we sharpen one another as we sing together, as we, we hear one another pray, as we learn to pray for one another. All those things are what God has intended for us, but then don't neglect the private worship because this is what's important. Sometimes we don't feel public worship because our private worship is lacking. Your public worship of God is to be an overflow of your private worship. Let me say it like this. Your Sunday worship together when you come to church is to be an overflow and expression of your worship Monday through Saturday. He says the Father is looking for true worshipers. There's a great book that I love. Um, written by a, a scholar I like, man, G.K. Beale. And it's, 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 the basic title is, uh, We Become What We Worship. I, I, just think about that title. I want you, I want you to think about, uh, through social media, we can see a whole lot of things now. You think about, we got people spending thousands upon thousands of dollars to look like certain celebrities. We got folk getting all kinds of surgeries to look like. But that, that's the extreme side. Think about us as kids. Most of us, we grew up, and whoever our favorite, you know, actor was, a musical artist, whatever it is, we, we imitated that. You know, our clothes reflected who we held in high esteem, our, the language we used, you know, the jokes we shared. We, we, we were imitating and emulating what we honored and ascribed to and what we, what we thought we wanted to be. So we learned what worship is. That was actually we ascribe worth and then we responded to the worth we gave them. So it, that's worship. Trying to be like them. But if God becomes who we worship, then what does that do for our life? That starts to make our lives reflect and look like the life Christ walked out. 
What he says, we become what we worship, meaning the more we engage in intentional worship as a spiritual discipline, the more Christ-like we become. Because remember, this whole thing is about us growing in godliness. We're training in godliness. So when we reflect on, when we ascribe worth, when we respond, when we intentionally put our minds and our hearts focused on Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us, we're worshiping God. So when you're driving in your car, and the other day I was singing and I started thinking about my daddy when he was sick. And I was thinking about how oftentimes, twice specifically, we thought he's, he's going to die. I just, my, dad, my daddy's about to die. I was getting my mind wrapped around that. And we would just pray and we would pray and we would pray. And God just answered every prayer. I started singing this song and I can't even remember the artist. But it goes, you made a way when our backs were against the wall. And it looked as if it was over. You, you made a way. I pulled over to the side of the road and was crying and just worshiping God. You may think sometimes your worship just has to be on a Sunday, but I worship God when you're driving. It don't mean you have to always pull over. But what I'm getting at is like it's intentionally focusing on him and, and just being overwhelmed by his glory and who he is. And then that overflows on Sunday. If you feel like, man, I don't know, if, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really feel like clapping or something. Now, if, now let, let me get on this. I, I don't want to beat you up because sometimes you feel like pastors beat me up because I ain't singing and clapping on Sunday morning. That's not what I'm getting at. That's not what I'm getting at. What I want you to do is, though, is this. I want you to be you and your expression to God. I want you to be you and your expression to God. You know, one of, it, this, this hit me so, so much when I, I thought about um, with some friends watching a basketball game, and in the basketball game, um, you know, things would happen, and I mean, they would jump up and shout and yell, and then when something went good, they jump up and they high five, and I'm like, that's the expression when they're excited. They, they loving what they're seeing, but then they would come to church and they just sit there and quiet, and I'm like, well, that's, your personality is someone you express joy, and you express excitement, so why are you not excited about the Lord? That's how you that's how you express your excitement. Versus there was a particular quarterback we used to have at, at University of Miami, and and I was like, he was so chill, like he was so even keel. And it was a game where on the winning drive, the last play of the game, the opposing team dropped the ball in the end zone. Like if he had caught it, it'd have been it'd have been a loss. He dropped the ball, the whole team stormed the field, excited, jumping up screaming, shouting. He was literally on his knee. He got up, and they had the camera on him. He stood up off his knee and did this, and then walked off. And I was like, that's him. So if he came to church on a Sunday and we were singing and celebrating what God has done for him, I expect him to stand there and go, that's, my exp- that's how he expresses himself. When I say worship God, <laughs> I'm saying Fully express the worth that should be ascribed to him only in the way in which you do that. If you're an excited person and you shout and yell and scream, do it. Have at it. If that's not you, don't do it. Don't be phony. Be who God's made you unto him in his glory. He says we become what we worship because we, the more we worship him, the more we ascribe glory and honor to him, the more we focus our minds and our hearts on him, the more we become like Christ. But worship must be a priority. Think about priorities. What do you prioritize in life? 
some years ago when there was a down, a, a, a downward thing in the economy, um, <laughs> I was watching one of the late shows, and they were talking to people about trying to save money. And they went to this guy, and he went to this lady. And he said, ma'am, ma'am, what, what, what are you doing to, you know, save some money when you're going shopping? And she says, you know, well, we're trying to save a little money, so I'm, I'm cutting down on buying all the snacks and the junk foods and the, the candies and things. We're going we're gonna to save money, and, cu- you know, we're going to cut that out. And he's like, great, great. And went to the guy and said, yeah, sir, what, what are you, you going to cut down on, you know, trying to save money? He said, yeah, we're trying to save money, so I'm, I'm cutting down on buying all them fruits and vegetables and stuff. And I was like, yeah, priorities, man. Priorities. He was like, yeah, I'm going to save this money, so I'm not going to buy all that produce. She was opposite. I'm going to save this money. Uh, we're not going to buy all that junk. And I was like, they got two different values, right? Two different values. See, when, I, when we talk about worship, you're like, where is that in your priority list? You know, where, where does that fall? There was a quote I saw by Donald Whitney. He said, describing modern man, one has written, he worships his work, works at his play, and plays in his worship. Has your time of worship just become a time of amusement? Has your time of worship just become a time for entertainment or fun? Or is your worship truly towards the one who made you and created you? And we think about our priorities, make it a priority. And this is one of these things that we do that's cumulative, that helps us train in godliness as we grow to be more and more Christ-like, amen? Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the current series, Living Well, where Dr. Jones teaches about the spiritual disciplines that build spiritual maturity, which ultimately leads to Christ-like living. If this ministry has blessed you, we invite you to donate to Point Ministries today and request your copy of Dr. Jones's book, Youth Matter, Kingdom Development, Kingdom Impact. Please visit DarylJones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L Jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air, and we are grateful for your faithfulness. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.